G'day crew. G'day crew. Afternoons with Staffy. Half an afternoon with Staffy from now until 1.30 or 1.26, something like that, when we'll take our last break before we hand over to the commentary team, uh, bringing you both elimination finals. First up will be Canterbury. Canterbury Kings against the Wellington Firebirds in the first elimination final. First ball, 2 o'clock, build up from 1.30. That's true, isn't it? And the Women's Super Smash Elimination Final, the Northern Brave against the Central Hinds. That first ball is at 6pm. So great to have the cricket on the radio for you. And we're going to be talking cricket first up. Um, of course, the Black Caps team has been named. And Sammy Hewitt walked into the office this morning and said, Gary Stead was listening to the show yesterday, clearly. Because we didn't think he'd pick a wild card or, or, you know, not a, I don't know that word, bolter, but... Uh, what's the correct phrase? Maybe a surprise selection, and Willow Rourke is that man who could debut. He's only going to be involved from the second test, but that's still great. Uh, Willow Rourke from Canterbury. Uh, the full team, Southie, Blundell, Conway, Henry, Jamison, Latham, Mitchell, O'Rourke for the second one. Uh, Phillips, Rachin Ravindra! Yoo-hoo. Jewel in the crown, guest to play. Mitch Santner, Neil Wagner does make it. Kane Williamson does make it. And Will Young from the Stags as well. Uh, another interesting side note, I don't know if it's been touched on. Gary Stead, of course the head coach, batting coach Luke Gronke, bowling coach Kyle Mills, which I think is fantastic. Uh, and also Dean Brownlee, who is uh, the high-performance network coach for New Zealand cricket. He'll be in there as well. Uh, they get together in Tauranga on Thursday next week, and the first test starts on Sunday, February 4. Exciting times. That's I quite like the look of this side, especially that little addition of Willow Rourke, which a lot of people thought uh, might not have had it in him to pick someone from outside the squad. So one of those previous mentioned in the team will drop out for Will O'Rourke to come in. And I guess that'll be about workload, etc. It's probably, I don't know, I, I often thought maybe Tim Southey, but interestingly, he's been, uh, Tim Southey's been named as captain as well, even with Kane Williamson in there. Also, so I want you to give us a call soon, not right now, because we're about to talk to Craig Cumming about uh, this Test Cricket selection and also get his thoughts on the Super Smash Elimination Finals. Of course, he's the coach of the Otago Sparks they are aren't they the men are the vaults and the Sparks are the women so we'll talk to Sid very very shortly also we have our usual we'll have some sports headlines for you what's making news as well with Sammy um, we'll have a look back in the day and also I'll give you a little odds update with uh, things that are going on particularly now that the teams are out on the cricket we've had day one of both the test matches in Australia and in India it was interesting they both started at exactly the same time and the run rate differential between the two games was quite alarming I think towards the middle of the final session England had scored 100 more runs than West Indies um, the pink ball test in Australia watched quite a bit of that jeez that Mitchell Stark's good also we're going to talk to Slade Griffin Warriors assistant coach um He's going to be between coaching, I think they're doing a defensive one and then a meeting and then they're back out on the field again. So we've found a spot just after one o'clock where we can catch up with the newly anointed assistant coach of the Warriors, although he's been part of the Warriors for a while. He was the coach of the New South Wales Cup team last year. So 
looking forward to uh, hear what what he saw down in that reserve grade that could potentially become big NRL players as well. Um, right, but this cricket test, this cricket test, the Teagle Test Series squad has been named. 14 players, or is it 13 players? I'm not going to count them, it's quite boring radio. Straight off the bat, former New Zealand opener and coach of the Otago, Sparks joins us now, Craig Cumming. Sid, first reaction to the Black Caps test team? I can tell you there's 14 named. Okay, um, thank you. There you go, And um, but they've got Willow Rourke named for the second test, second test only, so... I suppose you could say 13 players for the first test, of which two to be admitted. Um, I suppose a couple of things that stands out now, without going through the list. Um, Henry Nichols, no, not in the squad. Mm-hmm. I think I might not. Have, I think I've got that right. You're right. They've included um, Will Young uh, and Ruchin Ravindra and Mitchell Satner. So, you know, probably a change of you know thought process and what we do at home when it comes to the way we select our side. Mitch Satner's now got himself back into. You know, the squad, um, often we don't even play a spinner. So, you know, that, that that's really positive to see, and I think it's a good option. And then Will Young's still there in Rutchen. So, you know, it's probably hard to predict who's going to be the playing 11. They've got four seamers there, Wagner, Southie, Jamison, and Henry. So you dare say probably one of maybe Rutchen or Young will miss out, and one of, well, Southie's going to play, isn't he? He's the captain. Um, but then you've got Jamison, Henry, and Wagner. So I'd say one of those will miss out, and I'm pretty sure you'll find Mitchell Satin all plays. So... Yeah, I, I think it's good. It's nice to see maybe a change of a philosophy of what we've tried to do in the past. We've gone in with maybe five seamers. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, the balance will be whether or not they play Rutchen. Um, and also Glenn Phillips being there, who performed brilliantly um, in the you know over in Bangladesh and certainly deserves that opportunity. And I dare say he'll lock into what was the Henry Nichols role. Yeah, it's interesting too, you like with the Mitch Satner as spinner, uh, we also know Rutchen can turn it and we know Glenn Phillips can spin it as well. Could, there's a potential we could have three spinners on the park. Yeah, I don't think they will because of the fact of what you just said. So, I mean, Glenn Phillips, the great thing about him is he gives that off-spin option um, in, in your top five and they're worth their weight in gold when you can get a top-order player. Balsam, you know, now you could actually say some quality off-spin. So that's, that's a really good thing. Um, I hope they don't go for sometimes what I say two part timers and, and Rutchen to me is still especially in the first class game uh, or the, the Red Bull game he he's made his career as a as a batter who bowls yeah um, so you know the question is if you went in with Rutchen and Glenn you've got two part time spinners yes you've got a left armor and yes you've got a right armor but it's not their number one craft so you know it, it's a nice backup um, but um, maybe that lends the way that um, you know you could easily play you know Mick Satner. And maybe Rutchen's there for, for backup if needed. But, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, as I said, Rutchen still qualifies himself um, as a batter. Mm. And, um, you know, he is a batter who bowls, especially. People were surprised in the World Cup, you know, maybe him opening the batting and doing well. Well, Rutchen's made his career, his whole career as a top-order player. And his spin bowling has developed over time. And then he played for the Black Caps over in India, um, batted seven you know, and bowled, but it was always because he could bat. And, and in some ways, that wasn't the surprise that he's been successful at the top of the order uh, in the 50 overs, because that's been his number one skill uh, his whole career, and it's probably the part that comes most natural. But I like it. They've got options available. Obviously, they can then check conditions. They can check everything off, and, and they can pick the best balanced side. And, and it's just nice to see that we're going to see in New Zealand conditions spin. And, and you should do, because it's Feb- well, we're going into February, 
and it's going to be dry. It's been warm. Um, pitches will be not as you know much moisture, and they're going to dry out a lot quicker. So you're going to have to have options available to be able to bowl on day three, four, and five. Yeah, and even if he only sent down six or eight overs and in innings or something like that, just to give the seamers a bit of a rest, or you don't know how much in this day and age. said so like thirteen players, as you say. Do you think Gary Stead's got his 11 in his head locked in, or do they physically wait till they see the pitch, look at the conditions, check the weather? Uh, I would say that what they're doing is they're giving themselves the best chance to cover all bases, and that's why you pick a squad. So you need to know, right, who are our best four seamers. Maybe we'll work out, you know, leading into that, who our best three are. They'll they'll know the balance of the side that they want um, and, and how that looks. So... To me, I mean, I talk and have said a lot, you know, Will Young, uh, just, I, I just, I don't think that guy's great. I mean, he has to, again, he's been picked in the squad and probably doesn't know if he's playing, but he, whenever he gets an opportunity, he steps up. And from a batting point of view at the moment, if they're going to pick up a specialist batter and maybe bat him six, or they might even bat him five and they could put Phillips at six, I still think Will Young's got the, the more cookies in the jar than, than even Rutchen. Um And I know that'll be controversial and people will disagree because Rutchen's done so well in the white ball. But, I mean, so is Will Young. And in some ways, he, he's always been the next off the list. So to be taken off the next off the list, the person behind you has either got to do a huge amount, and mm. remember, this is red ball, not white ball, mm. um, or that person's got to be failing. And, and I just don't see Will, Will Young's done that. He's done everything asked of him. So having Rutschen and Long to the squad, um, and maybe as the backup, could be the plan. But, again, I, I could be completely wrong when you look at it, and maybe they're saying Rutschen's there and... Will Young is our cover if anything goes wrong with our top four or top five in case leading into it. He's our, he's our batting cover. What can you tell me about Willow Rourke um, and why do you think he's got the nod from there's probably a group of about six vying for that that wild card or eyebrow raise. What, why do you think he's got in and what can you tell us about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit biased and, I, and I'd say to me, you know, I think Jacob Duffy is exceptionally unlucky to miss out on that. He's a... He's a t- proper swim bowler um, who's done exceptionally well in the last two or three years um, and, you know, needs to be given an opportunity with the red ball. And I know I'm from Otago and, and Buff's from Otago, but if you look at even the way he's bowling the Super Smash with the new ball he is swinging at, you know, that's a tough one. Uh, but Willow Rourke's different. He's a, he's a poor bowler. Um, he hits the pitch. Um, huge amount of potential, without a doubt. And, you know, you put alongside suddenly Henry Shipley, who I think is injured at the moment, um, they obviously see something like him. He probably brings a point of difference when you look at their bowling attack. They've got Southey who swings the ball, left arm and Wagner. Jamison, you know, that tall frame who hits the seam but also can swing it both ways. And I suppose maybe Willow Walker is the manager bowler along those lines with a bit of bounce and a bit of height. So, um, But also he might also be, when you look at it, in there coming for the second test, maybe that's in cover for, they might be concerned about Jamison backing up after his history two tests in a row. Even Matt Henry's coming back from a pretty significant in- injury, so he might be there. You've definitely got to name him because he's good enough, but you've also maybe a from an experience point of view. But I do feel for Jacob Duffy. I, I just think the way he bowls and he swings the ball, um, it's still a, a big key. But Willow Rourke's certainly a player, you know, exciting for the future, and he, he won't let him down. Um, and you know, one thing the Black Caps have shown and Gary Stead's shown is the players they pick and give opportunities, and they've done really well. And so they've obviously done their work and their scouting and their thoughts, and um, you can't argue with what they're doing. I saw an interesting headline this morning with the um, South African coach saying, we're not coming over as underdogs. Um, well, they are. Um, I don't know how he can say, if you're not the underdog, you're the favourite. Are you, 
Are you disappointed that um, we're not seeing anywhere near their best test side? Um, maybe. Oh, I mean, I just think maybe it's the way, you know, you can do that, Staffy, where you just get excited that we're about to play tests and mm. they're a hugely inexperienced side. I mean, you know, underdog, I mean, South Africa have got the great ability um, and we know it in rugby. Um, they, they they pack themselves 100% of the time and it doesn't matter who it is. As soon as they put on the protein shirt and they walk out with the crest on, they grow taller, stronger, fitter and faster and They'll be talking about that, and they'll be saying that no one rates them and all that sort of stuff, and they'll be using that for motivation. Remember, this is the South African side that came over last year. I think it was last year, Staffy, and they won the toss and batted first at Hagley, and everyone was like, you're joking. I mean, that was after they got bowled out too in the first test, and they won it. You know, they, they go against the norm, and, and they'll turn up and not have a little chip on their shoulder because it's the situation that they've created themselves. And most um, of but yeah, I think they'll be um, they'll be competitive. They'll turn up with a real point to prove. But our New Zealand side's an experienced side, so they should be they should be fine. But let's just get excited that we're going to see the white clothing and the teams out playing um, and you know test match cricket in our summer, and that's what we want because we haven't had any yet. Yep, uh, Super Smash. Can we talk about that briefly? Uh, <laughs> in just under two hours, the men take part. Canterbury Wellington. In fact, before I talk about that game, I've always had a little bit of a thought structure around players who don't play and then they come back in at the end of a competition. Now, some of them it's because they've been on international duty, some of them because it's been on breaks and I'm thinking like Devin Conway, um, Sophie Devine, um, the players that just reinsert themselves in at the end of a competition. As a coach, is that tough to do, to tell the players, hey, listen, um, I know you've been part of our team the whole season, but you've got to have a seat? Uh, would be, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose it depends on the reasons. But first of all, I'm, I'm pretty lucky because, you know, when you look at the players that could command that would be someone like Susie Bates. Um, and Susie was available and made herself available for the whole Super Smash. And, um, you know, she loves playing for the Sparks and she's there from game one through to game 10. And I don't actually have to talk about that. But, you know, if she, she for whatever reason, um, she was only available back in. Of course, with the history that she's had with the team, it's probably okay. Um, you know, someone like Devin Conway, you look at him, and he's had a huge part to play, you know, for Wellington for, for many years and been a big part of their success. And it's not always his fault that he hasn't been playing or there's been international duty. So, mm. of course, if you've got your best players available, you want to pick them. Um, but it doesn't make it easy on the players that have got you there as long as you make sure they stay, you know, connected to the group. And, um, you know, it's, it's all done for the right reasons. Auckland's an interesting one because, you know, they've got the final... But they've got players, you know, they've got Finn Allen, uh, Mark Chapman, Lockie Ferguson, but they actually were part of the campaign at the start. Right. The biggest thing is if it changes your dynamic of your side. So, you know, who are they replacing and what's that role? Or what's the role? Like, I mean, you know, if someone comes in and bowl, often you've got to the finals because you've got a pretty good system in place and you know what you're doing with your bowling orders and your attacks. It's, it's, it's proven over the period of 10 rounds because you've been executing it. And then if someone else comes in who's different, that can upset what's been working for you. So that's often the biggest challenge that you'll have. You know, Sophie Devine, you know, for the Blaze, obviously back to the top of the order. Um, they change that, but she also bowls. So the person they replace might not only be a batter, but mm. they don't bowl, whereas Sophie bowls. And then all of a sudden, you know, Wellington's strength, and it always has been their strength, has been you know, four spinners and, and, and a couple of part-timers or people that pop in. Um, you know, does that upset that apple cart? Um, by changing the dynamic of the side. But 
you know, most of the time, if not all the time, if you've got your world-class players available, um, you will always pick them um, and hopefully they turn up energised and, and invest in it and don't think they're bigger than the team or the game, which they won't. You know, you look at Devin Conway, so he, he'll be highly motivated and he's had a bit of a lean run, so he, he'll be really keen to, to put in a good performance for his Wellington side and he'll be fully aware that he's probably replaced someone as well. So, um, you know, that, that comes back to all the work you do, I suppose, around your team. Mm. Uh, Canterbury take on Wellington at a neutral venue. As I say, uh, first ball at two o'clock, uh, commentary live here. How do, you, how do you go about picking a winner of this game? Um, and the cool thing about both games is second versus third, so fairly similar type of records. It, it's almost coin flip time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and unfortunately in the female game, my team is not need to flip the coin. But um, I've been really impressed in the last three or four games. Canterbury um, have really started to find their form. They're probably the opposite to Wellington, who started the competition with a hiss and a roar and really blew everyone away. And maybe they've tailored off a wee bit. It's very hard to do over 10 rounds to, to stay super consistent. But for Canterbury... They've just created a whole lot of momentum. Um, and they're playing at a neutral venue. Like Wellington play well at Wellington because of the big boundaries. So do Canterbury. So they're both used to the bigger boundaries. Um, today, you don't have that. It's like the same dimensions in the ground. So they, they're they both foreign to that in some ways. They're playing at a neutral venue. Um, to me, they like to hit bombs, smaller ground. Um, how does that work? But I also look at putting the team and... Tom Latham's made a huge impact um, in that Canterbury side just with not the way he's played, but you can also see the support and the leadership that Tom mm. helps give that group. Um, Nichols was that good form. So, yeah, they, those those players will make a big difference. But, again, if you asked me and you had $5 to go which way, I'd probably be guessing like you, Staffy. Um, you know, in the game of 2020, it literally takes one player. Yeah. You know, can Robinson go out and carry on the form he had at the start and bang 100? Does Tom Latham come off? You know, they've got guys who can hit the ball. But it just literally takes one player um, to make a difference. And both teams are stacked with players that can do that. So it'll be, be entertaining. But to ask me for a winner, I wouldn't have a clue either. Women's side, and um, to, to use one of Smithy's phrases, uh, your team missed by the barest of margins in fourth. <laughs> um, and Northern and Central... Oh, I've th- just acted like it didn't happen. I'm just pretending yeah. it didn't happen. Didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I think I'm right in saying Northern have never won it and Central have won it once many years ago. Yeah, you're probably right. I, can't, I wouldn't know myself. Yeah, um, that's a tough one too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Northern um, have probably been, you know, probably down the bottom of the ladder the last few years. Um, and then, yeah, they were the ones that knocked us out. Um, you know, we beat CD twice, but, um, you know, it's just the way the cards fall and, and with a bit of weather probably helped them. But if I, if I did a match-up between the two, simply put, the way I see it is CD have got a far better balance side. I think they've got far more players that can make an impact. Um, and over 20 overs, um, they're a team that probably got more players that can help win a game, the Brave have Chamari Atapatu. And <laughs> if she comes off, like a little bit the other day against us in a nine-over game, um, but if she comes off, she can single-handedly win the Brave the game. But it's also very tough because she knows that. And it's tough on her, but she's also used to that because she plays for Sri Lanka and it's very similar for her and her national side. So um, CD will know. Um, and, you know, I think we actually had really good plans to it. Um, Jake Orham's very um, smart, um, especially with his bowling attack. He's probably got the best seam attack, um, I'd say, outside of us um, in, in the country where he's got Rosemary Mary, he's got, um, you know, Hannah Rowe, Claudia Green. 
So those three players, will, they'll want to put real pressure on Adapatu. Um, the challenge he'll have will be after that when it comes to some young spinners and, and how they step up if Chamari gets through that first part. Whereas, you know, the Brave are probably um, not as experienced, especially with their bowlers. Um, they've got a young bowling attack. Um, and again, you've got some good skill in there in the CD side. So I'd say at the moment, now the Hinds are probably favourite. The big benefit for the Brave is they've got yeah a, one of the top three ball strikers in, in the world in the women's game in Chamari, and everything relies on probably what she does. Who Who is the Northern Brave's second best batter, do you think? Jess Watkin. Oh, they've got three. We've got Jess Watkin, who moved from the Hines. Yep. Um, and Jess can hit the ball a long, long way. Um, Jess is probably a little bit more predictive. And then um, Caitlin Gary. And Caitlin Gary is been a you know very well-performed domestic player for many, many years for the Brave. And she did a great job. Unfortunately, got them a winning, which probably put them up to us um, when they played Canterbury. They were in real trouble. But those three are the big three. Um, and as I say, there's, there's no better ball strikers than Jess Watkin and Gary um, around the domestic game. So, um, you know, that, that's what I talk about CD. But um, if they're They've got the, probably the far better bowling attack. But mm. um, you only need three players, Steffi. If one comes off and you have two supporting acts, um, then, you know, you're away and it's in finals. And, you know, if they can get above one, or whoever bats first, if they can get above one, this year the totals have been lower than the past few years. And I think it's because the bowling attacks have been better. And I think the tactics have been better because we've got more data and research that can go into it. Right. But if you can get above 135, um, if you can get north of 140, uh, batting first, that is definitely advantage to that team. I think it's very hard in this competition to chase more than 140 at the moment. Brilliant. As always, Craig Cumming, always appreciate your insights and your thoughts on making yourself available, buddy. Thanks heaps. Anytime, Steffi. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Bye, mate. mate. Craig Cumming there, former Black Caps opener. Right. Lines are open, 0800 150 811. Any reaction to what he said about the Black Caps? Uh, Willow Rourke, um, Jacob Duffy... What's the lineup going to be? And anything you want to talk about uh, the Super Smash finals? As I mentioned, we're, this show's off here at 1.30, but we will hand you straight over to the commentary team. Um, they'll kick it off at 1.30, first ball in the men's elimination final at 2 o'clock. But do give us a call, 0800 150 811, or the Tampa Bear Post text machine is 8833. And remember, their range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to this exact shape of your body, my body, Sammy Hewitt's body, and you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Give us a yell. The lines are free on 0800 150 811. Couple of text messages. Good test side staff with Phillips and Ravindra. This is good. O'Rourke, unsure on him, better options at test level. That's from Ken. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing... I've got to admit, I haven't seen much of um, Will O'Rourke. I think I've seen him maybe only a couple of times and he just doesn't spring to mind. Um, seen a bit of... Uh, ben says I've liked what I've seen of him. Jacob Duffy, I thought they'd find room for him as well, but um, let's let's give Will O'Rourke a crack, remembering uh, the Canterbury bowler. He's second test only, so... Who's going to drop out? Maybe Kyle Jamison? I don't know. I guess it's on performance and and workload, which is very much a concentrated thing for them. Um, Nichols will be disappointed to be dropped for an easy series.
But of course, that's why they've put Ravindra in, to give him an easy intro into test cricket. It'll be interesting. Interesting. Never quite looked like a test player to me, especially in New Zealand conditions. Yep, Rachin Ravindra, he is the future. And I just, I took heed of what Craig Cummings said about don't underestimate South Africa because they will have extra motivation. I mean, a lot of debutantes, I think they're, captain is it going to be a debutant there's a 36 year old something like that debutant um they will be well motivated i mean for the first time to put on any national jersey and i just when he was telling talking to me about that i was thinking back to the baby blacks it was a second string all black team after all of those guys got suspended or stood down after the um, Springbok tour so yeah it'd be interesting to see what sort of fight what sort of resistance the South Africans can bring our guys, but just the balance of our team, those those first picked guys, like we've got so many um, first picked guys like Southie, um, Latham, Mitchell, Phillips now, happy with him and just so delighted that the jewel in the crown that is Ruchin Ravindra is in there. Right, 0800 150 let's get to the calls. We've got Scott in Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph, how are you going? Brilliant. I, I think you're 100% right. You, you can't underestimate the South African team at all because for a lot of these guys obviously making their debut, they want to go well so they can hopefully get picked obviously for their next series as well and put pressure on the guys that obviously haven't come across. So mm. they've, they've got nothing to lose. Unfortunately for us, we're in the situation if we don't win both tests, it looks very bad for us. Um, so... I think yeah, you're 100% correct. You cannot underestimate them. And it will, it will be a tough game. I mean, you know, these guys obviously play in, in their domestic competition back home and, um, you know, they won't be bad cricketers or anything. So um, I, I'm hoping, obviously, we win 2-0, but I just don't want to underestimate them at the same time. Yeah, I do feel like at the end of day one, test one, we'll all be saying, geez, I didn't think South Africa were going to be this good. Yeah. <laughs> you never, yeah, never underestimate a South African cricket team. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah, I, I definitely think on that. I was just going to say as well. I, I know Kane's been, um, he's obviously been in, included in the squad. Is he? Was there any idea of how actually fit he is? Or yes, there was a comment there. If I try and quickly scan the press release. Uh, I will find it. I will find it. He said the Predators will be uh, Glenn and Mitch, both in selection. No, it's not that, but Willow Rourke, Rutchen. Uh, he acknowledged it was hard to leave out Nichols, Patel and Sodi. Here we go. Tom Blundell, Kyle Jamison and Kane Williamson are all at slightly different points in their rehabilitation plans, but we're confident they'll be good to go at Bay Oval. So I think if the game was played today... Um, yep. One, two, or all three wouldn't be available, but they're on track to all be available come next Sunday. Okay, no, that's that's good because I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to push Kane and then uh, you know yeah, I mean the, out of the two series, you, you'd want to push Australia as much as we can, and and if he was touch and go, I'd rather keep him for that series because you know that he can just obviously walk back into any team and pick out where he left off at the same time, but hopefully. Uh, he'll get through the South African series okay as well and be fit for Australia. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll play the second, if not both, yeah. um, because he does have to have have some time in the middle before the Aussies get here. Yeah, such a crucial part of any, any cricket team, isn't he, is our Kane. Brilliant, Scott. Um, thanks for calling in, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. You guys too. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, mate. Uh, we'll go to Christchurch. Mikey, g'day, Mikey. What did you make of it? 
Well, I, I, I almost fell off my chair. I was like, steady on, steady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have had an extra glass of champagne last night. Um, no, that's it's fantastic. Really, really good. And so I hope Russian um, plays. He isn't, uh, you know, the ball carrier or water carrier or whatever. Um, and, like, how many chances did Nick will get? Quite a few. So I hope they take that same policy with him because he'll have some um, stumbles. Yeah. Um, but I think we just persevere. I think the potential... For this guy, I mean, strap yourselves in for the next 10 years. It's quite exciting. Mm. Now, I think kudos to Gary Stead. That phone call to Henry Nichols would have been tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Be interesting to see how Nichols, because he's playing today, isn't he? Playing this afternoon? Yeah, I think he is, yes. So I'd be good to see how he responds to that, hopefully positively. Um, the other exciting thing, again, is I just hope Jamison gets himself back to what he was um, and has a really decent test um, summer as well, because he is also a very, very exciting player. And uh, if he keeps if he keeps that record up that he's got for, um, I think, it's, is it one wicket every 20 or something like that? Yeah, something ridiculous. Um, yeah, so if he can keep that up, fantastic. And also, again, with um, we were talking about spin the other day. Persevere with Satna. He seems to have come on a little bit in the last year. So I hope he can transfer that to the Red Bull game. And, yeah, really excited. Cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Brilliant, Mikey. Thanks, buddy. No worries. Cheers, okay, mate. Cheers, mate. Uh, let's go to Upper Hutt. Talk to Gary. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Hey, uh, much like everyone else, I was just blown away this morning when I heard <laughs> that, yeah, finally, finally he's gone and we can get Russian in there. And that, that's no disrespect to Henry Nichols, I mean, but, geez, he, he's held on there for a long time. So, um, yeah, we were talking about it last night and we, no, 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 they'll be picking Nichols for sure. So, yeah, so, as you say, good on Gary said. He's actually finally made that call and, Here's hoping Russian does actually play and it's not just running out the drinks. Mm. I mean, probably if he's playing, then Will Young possibly misses out, and that really sucks for him. He's just one of those really unlucky players. Yeah, I think but, um, I think if, I think if Russian was going to be sitting in the stands, I don't think Gary Stead would have put him in the squad. I'm hoping you're right there. Yeah, I, I really want to see that that young guy have a go. Mm. He just seems like—I mean, we all know he's got the talent, but he, he's just a really nice young guy. Well, I was watching him. We we're at the basin the other day. He wasn't playing, and he was just sitting down in front of us. And he had kids coming up to him all day. And I tell you what—he gave every single kid a bit of his time. He talked to them. He signed whatever they wanted to, and he didn't look like he's getting fed up with it because he just sat there all day. And, yeah, he just looks like a really great young guy, you know, so um, oh, I hope he has a huge career. But um, what I'm a little bit worried about in this series is um, we're all sort of writing off South Africa, and I can understand why, but all our guys, we, we haven't played any, you know, four- or five-day cricket for a long time. It's just been this diet of, you know, hit and giggle 2020 stuff, and I just worry about our stamina, especially with the likes of Jamison. If Jamison gets hit, and he breaks down in the first day. Oh, man, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just worry about that a little bit. But, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You just don't don't get time to play this first-class stuff or, or, you know, five-day test matches that often anymore. Yeah, and and you can't just stay in cotton wool, can you? Because every fast bowler, and I hark back to the chat I had with Lockie Ferguson, he said they all play injured. Um, he can't remember yeah. the last time yeah, he wasn't. yeah. Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? you just got to be able to push through it and do it. But I don't know, we just have this history of these big, tall fast bowlers or medium fast bowlers breaking down. <laughs> mm. It just happens all the time. So, yeah, I, I do worry a little bit about that. But, 
I mean, you know, you look at it with realistic eyes, we, we should beat them and beat them fairly comfortably, you would think. Mm. But, you know, you just never know. You do not know. I'm looking know. forward to it. Absolutely looking forward to it. And you're looking forward and to come the, on blaze. the blaze. For Go Sunday. the blaze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> Good man. All right. Cheers, buddy. See ya. Uh, one more before the break. Zaid, the life member. G'day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon, Staffy. Uh, uh, my favourite player that they've picked again is uh, Glenn Phillips. Good to see him um, getting some more game time. But, yeah, also good to see a bit of, um, yeah, Ruxin Ravindra. Uh, you know, obviously the problem that Jameson's got, I think because he's so tall, his back keeps her giving injuries. I don't know, like, you know, he's six foot eight and he's just so tall. So he's obviously having those problems with his back and, Hopefully he stays fit because he seems pretty talented. I think definitely test matches seem to be his best format, but Hermit just seems to be staying fit because um, he's he's clearly talented. But it's just like his I think his back because he's so tall he gets injuries. But um, and on Super Smash, um, I'm not sure if you'll be able to get a weather, weather update for um Sunday for Auckland for the um for the Aces game because obviously the Aces are in the final, but. They're waiting on Canterbury and uh, Wellington, so I was wondering if you'd be able to get me a weather update in a few minutes. Mate, Sunday, I, I, I will do that for you. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for you now. So Sunday, there is rain yeah, in the rain. forecast from yeah. 5 o'clock. Mm. Is, so what, what would happen there if the game got rained off? Do they have a reserve day being a final? I don't know. Jeepers, I don't know, actually. I, I don't know if they will. Would it just go, oh, I don't know. I don't know how that I works. I know, because there's rain forecast for Saturday and Sunday, and then yeah, fine Monday more. and Tuesday. But we know weather forecasts aren't always reliable, but that's where it's yeah, at at yeah. the moment. Yeah, I have seen the rain, because I'm thinking about going, but I don't know if it's if it's worth it, if it's going to rain. So mm. Make yeah. it a game day decision, Zaid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds right, good then. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back after that. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Thanks very much, Saski. <laughs> Staff. You always read all your paper for this segment. Wow, it's, I've just got so many pieces, you know. It's just so much good stuff out there, and, and you know I spend a lot of time doing this, and it's you just, do, actually. It's the you know, first <clears> thing <throat> you do when you get to work. I'll tell you a little story about Mike Hosking. About Mike Hosking. Talking about Mike Hosking breakfast. Back Monday from eight. Um, from six, actually. He he has, like, a pile of paper on his desk that's, like, it's stacks and stacks and stacks of, like, research and prep and stuff, and most of it he never uses. I'm going to say, Steph, my, my stack for What's Making News is about twice the height of Mike Hosking, wow. just to give you a bit of that's context there. That's not his research. That's research that's been done for him. Correct, yeah. Yeah, that's Mike Hosking here, you know, drive around my Maserati, I'm going to do absolutely no prep as I get to work at uh, five minutes to six. Happy days. Um, butter chicken yes. is at the heart of a 188,000-pound legal battle. Ooh. Actually, a great story, this. I might even just sort of read it out to you if I can. It's one of India's best-loved dishes. 
Papada Chicken is just as contentious as it is delicious. With two Indian restaurant chains locked in a legal battle over claims to its origins. Oh. Maybe I should put on a bit of a news voice. I've always sort of talked about that for the singer. Owners of Marty Mahal, a famed Delhi restaurant, have filed a lawsuit against rival chain Daraganji, accusing it of falsely claiming to have invented the dish as well as dal makhani, a popular lentil dish that is also laden with butter and cream. Moti Mahal, which has counted uh, late US President Richard Nixon and India's first Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru among its guests, claims its founder, Kundunla Gujral, created butter chicken before Sorry, the partition is this in, is this of in India the, and Pakistan. Is this in UK or in India? Well, I think the UK restaurants. Yeah. Because I heard butter chicken and chicken tikka masala were mm. invented in the UK. The UK. So created butter chicken before the partition of India and Pakistan. It claims the dish made with tanned or cooked chicken pieces mixed in with tomato gravy with dollops of cream and butter was invented in the 1930s when the restaurant first opened in Peshawar, now in Pakistan, before it moved to Delhi. So actually was started there. Um, Daranganji, which was established in 2019, claims a member of its founding family. Kundan Lajagi partnered with Modi Mahal's Gujarat to open the Delhi restaurant in 1947, and the dish was invented there. It claims that gives the, it the right to lay claim to the creation of the disc. Uh, the dish. Disc. The disc. The dish. The Gujarat family is seeking £188,000 in damages, alleging that they've copied the layout of the restaurant as well. Um, the dispute has captured the nation's attention. With Indian TV broadcasters running segments on the history of the dish and debate raging on social media staff. And if you know anything about Indian social media pages, it gets fiery. Uh, it gets passionate. Um, testimonies of people who can link the brand to the dish they consumed decades ago could be critical in this the case. Is, oh, this is definitely one we have to follow. It has been heard by the Delhi High Court uh, last week and the next hearing is set to take place in May. The big thing is, yeah. what difference does it make? Correct. I guess if you say you're the inventor, you're the home of butter chicken, or you're the inventor of butter chicken, there's something to that, but mm. we'll follow it. Yes, we'll we will. follow it greatly. A Canadian swimmer, Betty Brussel, shout out to her, 99 years old. She's broken three world records in the 100 104 year old class, wow. uh, age class. She's uh, she Please broke, have the distances and times. She broke the 400 meter freestyle record by nearly four minutes. From the previous best, I don't actually have the time. Uh, the 50 meter backstroke and the 50 meter breaststroke. Uh, that same day, she's not even 100 yet. And uh, I wanted to ask you what sort of record you think you'll be breaking when you're around that sort of 99 age group. Being alive would you be reckon? some sort of thing. Because when you say she broke the record by four minutes, the 400 meter freestyle record for men and women is under four minutes. Right, yeah, so we're probably talking in the 20-minute range here, Staff, 99 years old. Um, I see Lydia Ko is uh, is leading, um, or tied for the lead after the opening round at the LPGA Drive-On Championship. She's found it She's again. firing. She's absolutely firing. Uh, the Melbourne Rebels have entered voluntary um, yes, administration this morning. Yes, I was reading about that last morning. night. There's more to that story than meets the eye, oh, Sam. It's a bit depressing for Aussie rugby. And uh, a Charles Leclerc um, has extended his contract Um a five-year extension. Um, no, sorry. Oh, there's no... It just says that he signed an extension. It doesn't actually give me the the specified length. Well, that's weird, because usually they come out and say we've signed him on for this long for this much money. But anyway, unspecified, but supposedly Ferrari have locked in Charles Leclerc. And uh, a Californian woman who has grown the world's longest arm here, Steph. Oh, yuck! No! 7.24 inches long. That's 18 centimetres. She uh, found out that she had an unusually long arm here in 2012 when she was in junior high school. She was at Disneyland, someone pointed out to her. Rather than cut it off, she thought, I'll try and grow it, see if I can get a record. Sure enough, she has now, 18 centimetres. Uh, she wants to keep going and take over the male record, which sits at 8.54 uh, inches, which is well over 20 centimetres. 
fact for you. Mm. Now, before I get into this, I know we've only got a minute. Do you believe that McDonald's Coca-Cola tastes better than everyone else's Coca-Cola? No. Don't you think that? Because I don't really like BKs, to be honest, but I like like McDonald's. McDonald's is Coke. I think it's better. I just don't drink Coke. Right. Well, then this probably doesn't apply. But I found all the post-mixed drinks Mm. don't have much fizz, regardless where you get it. Well, if you do, if you are out there thinking um, that McDonald's Coca-Cola is a lot better than the rest, that's because Coca-Cola syrup is delivered to McDonald's in stainless steel tanks to ensure its freshness, creating what many believe is the best Coca-Cola available. Every other restaurant get their uh, get their syrup in plastic bags. Wow. Yeah. So if you do taste the difference, that's why. Just tell them I sent you. Order your Coke off your Macca's menu. Mac delivery. Last break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Couple of quick text messages. Uh, Jeff, our local linguist, uh, great Indian pronunciation. I knew he'd say that. Sam. I knew Jeff would get, was going to text. Wow, well, it was too. I was, I was pleased. Uh, Rory says a great butter chicken can be absolutely second to none. <laughs> I was in a curry club in Wellington. Different curry house every Monday, first Monday of every month, and you weren't allowed to order butter chicken. We called it a chicken casserole for people that can't handle curries. That's you. Sign me up. That's you. Uh, and Chris said he worked at Macca's and the syrups delivered in bags. I think it was in the States. Well, probably. Yeah, they probably don't about. really care about New Zealand. Look, we've just received there. a message from Slade Griffin. He's ready to go. So the assistant coach of the Warriors will be joining us live out of Mount Smart Stadium where they're just between training runs. Slade Griffin immediately after the news. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. They'll be out on the field before we know it and after a fantastic season last year. We're very excited to bring you coverage of that all through this year as well. Joining us now is the new assistant coach of the Warriors, uh, replacing Morgs. Slade Griffin joins us. G'day, Slade. Hey, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, You've been part of the Warriors set up for a little while, part of the New South Wales Cup coaching team last year. Nice little step up for you. You must be excited. Yeah, no, really excited. Um, yeah, so I come in, done two years in the juniors and then um, three or four years in the transition role where you help uh, the players outside of top 30, um, play reserve grade, and then, you know, some of them end up debuting. So um, that was while we were away and we didn't have our reserve grade team uh, because of COVID. So it was really cool to actually get on the tools and coach on game day with those boys last year and um, help rebuild that New South Wales Cup program. Um, and the boys did a really good job. So it was obviously a really 
really cool year um, making the semis and just being a part of some of those kids uh, making their dreams, whether it be debuting or even just coming through the SG ball and then playing cup. It must be really nice to be, you know, alongside these. You get some really young guys and just see them slowly develop and improve and improve and put their hands up for the for the NRL team. I wanted to ask you about sort of the the recruitment versus development scenario. I guess all clubs have to have both, but it looks like there's a real push for the Warriors to develop through their own. And what we saw in the New South Wales Cup, there's some good youngsters there. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we probably took the biggest hit during COVID because of the borders and we couldn't have our junior program. Um, but being able to develop your own talent, uh, the kids, you know, coming in at 15 and being a part of the Warriors for a long time and then getting to debut, you know, five or six years later is a really cool experience for them. And even kids coming through the school program, um, you know, under 17s, under 19s, pulling on a Warriors jersey on the weekend. Mm. Uh, it was a pretty proud moment for them and their families as well. But, yeah, like you just need to develop your own players um, with the salary cap age. But I think it also it makes you feel like a family club. And, um, yeah, we've been really proud to see some of those kids come through from teenagers and then end up debuting. What have you seen around sort of the 18, 19 through to 21-year-olds that like you've been around the game a long, long time as a player and as a coach now. Can you see like all oh, the ceilings getting higher for this player and higher for this player? Uh, yeah, like, you know, um, oh, sorry, sorry. What do you mean? Do you mean us putting... I mean, what, what you witnessed sorry. in New South Wales Cup, are, are there players in there that you think, okay, in like two or three years, these guys are going to be starters for, for the top Warriors team? Yeah, for sure, without um, singling a few out, but you put me on the spot. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not asking um, you to have... single any out, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we have some really good kids. Um, who Some of them got a taste last year, mm. um, whether it only be one or a couple games, and then you hope to see another preseason. It's amazing how far these guys can develop, and when they actually achieve that goal of playing uh, NRL, they start believing, and then they know they're capable, and then... You know, that next year they might play one game and then the next year they play every game. So I think I am confident we might have a couple guys uh, coming through that we could be pretty excited about in the future. You've worked alongside Craig Bellamy and now Andrew Webster. Hopefully Webby's out of earshot. But what what are some similarities and some differences between those two? Yeah, <laughs> the differences would be um, <laughs> Craig's pretty old school and he's, um, he's pretty tough on you, like he's up front. Um, and he's got his standards and that's the way. Um, <clears throat> Webby's like, he coaches to his own personality. He loves it, it's fun. Um, but he is also the hardest worker I reckon get at the club. Like he's the, the old cliche first and last out. So um, he's a really smart, pretty IQ guy as well. And the boys, um, it really suits this group. You know, he lets them have fun, but, they're working really hard and they've learned so much under him. And it's not just X's and O's on the field. It's, his door's always open. Um, he's always chatting with the guys, whether it be in the morning or after training, he always loves to, to get around them. So he's, um, he's very personal with them as well. 
We've got some uh, new recruits this year, very, very good recruits. Uh, one particular one from Brisbane, which I'm very keen to see. But Roger Tuivasa-Shek, I've seen on your socials, he looks energised, he looks happy. Um, gosh, it's such a big coup to get him back into the midfield. Yeah, very exciting. He's a real professional, Roger. He's borderline obsessive. Um, <laughs> I think that's why he went to the All Blacks, because he, he had a dream of playing for them. And he, just, he wants to be a as professional and train and play with the most elite people and he's a winner so um, Chance and Cole Clockstad is a real driver at training in terms of you know energy or intensity and he's always trying to push the other guys to train even harder and now brung Roger in as well like those two are just battling to see who can be the most energy to training but um, it's been really cool obviously when he left he was like a superstar and he still is but he's come back and I think it shows how far the club's gone because he's getting a little bit more challenged now and I think he's loving that competition um, with the other outside backs. Because the big thing for him when he went to rugby was to learn the instinctual parts of rugby. Did he have to do a little bit of relearning or did he get back up to speed quite quickly with the league? Yeah, he's obviously super talented. Like some of the stuff he does you just <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool to have front row seats out on the footy field when you're coaching but um, our, our defensive system is pretty hard to get the hang of and that's challenging and, but to his credit he's just in every day after training going through his video with the coaches and he's a sponge and he wants to learn as much as he can so um, yeah that would be the biggest one for him coming back to rugby league is the defensive system again and can you allay any fears? Like I know I, some of the public with, with the Adam Fenua Blake situation at the end of last year requesting immediate release, ultimately signed on for another year. What are you seeing about his mental application, his mental attitude before we start this season in the Warriors jersey? Yeah, no, he was um, obviously family reasons um, why he has to go back and he is a, a real family man, Adam. Um, he... He feels like he just he wants to win, like he genuinely wants to leave this club with the premiership. Um, he's super competitive, and his leadership's come a long way, I think. And he's trying to, yeah, because he's a super talented guy, but he's trained as hard as I've seen him as well. So um, I, you can just tell he really wants to, to help the boys uh, achieve that goal before he leaves. Just talking to Warriors assistant coach Slade Griffin. The other one, Kurt Capewell. We've seen over the years in the Warriors for a long time um, the likes of Michael Luck, the likes of Kevin Campion, a um, number of Australians come over and they fit in really well. Has he, he'd immediately be one of your leaders? Yep. He's a real kind of knockabout guy. Like he he's, uh, likes having a few beers and just getting around the boys. So um, his personality is going to fit right in with the boys. He, he likes his fishing and um, just hanging out. So, yeah, he, he, he's a natural leader. You can tell even the first day he comes in just how he gets up and speaks. He's got a presence about, presence about himself. And um, I think, like you said, he's a hard worker on game day. He's a selfless player. I think he's really going to uh, fit in with the, the other players we have in the team. Brilliant. Slade, so, um, when's the first game in earnest? Not not round one. Uh, do you know what your preseason looks like, that sort of thing? Yeah, so... I'm actually a bit stuck in the old week-to-week -week at the moment. Yeah. They're pretty flat out these weeks. Um, our first trial, I think, is... This is awful for me to even think about, but I think it's the Tigers in Christchurch, and then our second one's Redcliffe at Mount Smart. So I think we're, we're getting pretty close to about 
a month away. Um, so we've started ramping up training a little bit, getting into more 13 v 13 footy. So um, we put a huge focus on a lot of uh, small fundamental drills to help build the boys' good habits. And now it's pretty cool to see them um, going live against each other. Yeah, exciting season ahead. Slade, really appreciate you joining us uh, in between coaching sessions out there on the field. Uh, go well, and we will stay in touch. All the very best. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the support. We all support. We all support, Sammy. Um, excitement levels are going up. A quick text message from Chris said, will Neil Wagner play? His record is amazing, but he seems very easy to drop. I don't get it. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Wags. Um, I just love his competitive nature. I'd, I'd say he'll get a crack at, at Bay Over, where it is, you know, he, he lives about 10 minutes from there. I hope so. I know what you're saying, though, Chris. I do know what you're saying. Uh, and also, quickly, just golf updates. I just did a circuit of all the world tours. Um, Lydia Ko, as Sammy mentioned, in his sporting headlines. Uh, she's tied for the lead after the first round at six under with one of her best mates on tour, Nelly Calder, uh, both at six under. Uh, sadly, Ryan Fox missed the cut in the Farmers Insurance Open, uh, missed the cut by a couple. Uh, leading that one is Stefan Jaeger. He's at 12 under. Uh, Nikolai Horgard is at 11 under. Thomas Dietrich at 10 um, and one that sort of snuck under my radar on the DP World Tour this week, and they are playing, I think it's in, it's at Abu Dhabi, it's the UAE, in Ras Al Khaimah on the DP World Tour. Sam Jones, in his first year on the DP World Tour, is sitting at six under in tied seventh place. Great effort for him. Fantastic for him. Are there any other Kiwis on that leaderboard? Is Dan Hillier playing... Can't find any Kiwi flags. Oh, Dan Hilly is there. He's at two under in 48th tied place as well. Little Can I also just say, uh, Steph, that uh, leg one of Show Me The Money, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning score within the first two minutes. So oh, it's, looking good. So we need them, Don't to, win by, it too early, we need them to win by two. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, but they scored a goal literally within like the first minute of play. So okay. happy, happy days. Uh, TAB odds update for you now. We're just just knocking on the door of Canterbury taking on Wellington in Hamilton. Uh, neutral venue, although it's not for the women's Super Smash, the Northern Brave get to host. Um, it's locked right up now. 187 the pair, Canterbury-Wellington. We're going to go across shortly uh, to Hamilton where our commentary team is uh, just plugging in the wires and the phone lines, etc. So we'll have a chat to them about weather, track, uh, scratchings, that sort of stuff. And then the Northern Brave against Central Hines. The Brave are $1.80, Central Hines one ninety two. That's a fascinating matchup. Having spoken to um, Craig Cumming, uh, Chamari Atapatu, who he thinks is in the top three ball strikers in the world, at the top of the favouritism for the Northern Brave at two ninety. which is why I asked him who their next best batter is. And he said, Jess Watkin and Caitlin Gurry, because you know the Central Hines would have done their homework on Chamari. <clears throat> and if they can get rid of her cheaply, maybe Jess Watkin, Caitlin Gurry could be worthy of a um, could be worthy of a little nudge. So they're the two uh, super smash 
elimination finals. In fact, let's go live now to our Hamilton... I'm going to call him the lead commentator because he's online now. Tommy Bartlett (laughs) is gearing himself up to call two amazing games at one of the great cricket grounds. Tom, weather and track, what are we looking at as you look at the commentary box? Welcome in. Yeah, thanks, Steffi. Good afternoon. It's an absolutely glorious day in the Tron. Wouldn't expect anything less, though, in this part of the world at this time of the year. Uh, So, yeah, weather-wise, overhead, beautifully fine. Just a little bit of patchy cloud, but it's nothing uh, to worry about. Conditions, ideal, warm. Uh, a little bit humid at times, um, and in terms of looking out onto the to the block, uh, the ground staff just going up and down with the very light roller on the on the deck, and it looks pretty good. I haven't gone down and had a full inspection yet, uh, Staffy, but uh, you know with weather like this and and this kind of stuff, it wouldn't be a, a complete surprise at this ground to see plenty of runs. So uh, that's my suspicion is that these two games uh, will be high scoring games. Certainly that's the hope I think of of those that come in. But in terms of the weather, absolutely perfect. And Canterbury just going through a few warm ups. Of course, the men's elimination final coming up first, Wellington. And Canterbury, the Wellington team, just coming out of the players' area, uh, taking on plenty of liquids, and really looking forward to this one, staff. Particularly the introduction, or you like, or the addition uh, of some very big, high-profile names into these teams that just add a little bit of spice, doesn't it, in terms of the the star factor of these elimination finals? Yeah. So, can you see out the window? You can see Conway, uh, Ravindra, Bracewell, they're all there. Adam Merrill. They are all there. Everyone looking uh, pretty eager to go, as you can imagine. They haven't. We haven't had the uh, the toss out in the centre yet. That'll come uh, in about 12 or 13 minutes from now. But um, yep, they're all out there. Certainly, uh, Devin Conway uh, could do with some runs, couldn't he? Yes. And I'm sure he's pretty pleased to be back in the Wellington colours. Of course, he burst into the the New Zealand side really on the back of season after season of of compelling and, and marvellous form for Wellington uh, on his arrival from South Africa. So back in those colours, maybe that's just the tonic. Someone like that leaves, and of course. Rich and Ravindra Staffy coming off um, not only his, his naming in that test uh, squad for the South Africans but of course the ICC Men's Emerging Player of the Year yes. in action out here at Seddon Park this afternoon as well so that's just one side, flip it on the other side Cole Jamison, Henry Nichols, Tom Latham they're all out warming up for Canterbury so it is going to be uh, certainly a game that features some of the biggest and best names in New Zealand cricket at the moment. Is the most motivated player at Seddon Park today Henry Nichols? Yeah, I thought you might say that. We were discussing this uh, in the car on the way down uh, the drive from from Auckland about just how much that would have stung uh, Henry Nichols and how much, you know, when you get an opportunity straight away, how desperate you can be to do the business. He's a a proud man. He's played a lot for New Zealand. That will not have sat well with him, I'm sure, and he'll know that perhaps he gave the selectors the opportunity to do that, Mm. uh, and uh, he'll be determined to come out here today. Yes, it's a different uh, format of the game. He's got the colours on today. He's hitting with the white ball, but, um, you know, an international player is an international player, and I suspect that if he gets an opportunity with the bat today, uh, Henry Nichols will be extremely motivated, Steffi. Yes, brilliant. Well, I won't make you fire all your bullets. I'll keep you <laughs> with, with some journalistic stories up your sleeve, Toby. Thanks for jumping on, and let's just call it, it was a live test of the comms and you're coming through crystal clear, which is fantastic. Oh, we'll call that a win. First win of the day. Very good. Thanks, Steffi. Appreciate it. Top mate, Tom Bartlett coming out of Hamilton there. We've got a good crew down there. Kimberly Downs, part of the commentary team as well. Um, and on debut. On debut. On debut, and who's the other one? Um, we got uh, Tom Bartlett, Kim Downs, Katie Perkins, and Anton Devisic. Anton Devisic, I reckon he'll be amazing. He was in the Black Clash, wasn't he? I wonder if he's been home yet. I think he was in the Black Clash. Yeah, he opened the batting. He opened the batting. Still handy. Still very handy. It reminds me of one of my most em- embarrassing moments that didn't make the Christmas tape. Sam was. Um, 
I interviewed Joey Jovich and I asked him if he still rocked the big beard. It was Anton Devsic that had the big beard. Uh. And he, he just played it away like he's never had a beard. And he just went, ah, yeah, nah, I haven't. Just straight back down to Yeah, down I, to just, I got Jovic and Devsic mixed up, Sammy. Got that's, yeah, that's almost as bad as the time that you thought um, Ken, Mamalo. Ken Mamalo was playing for the uh, NRL All-Star, the Māori All-Stars. <laughs> that was just... Uh, you know, that, that we put that on our Christmas show, didn't we? Yeah. And I sat at, I was at my parents' place with all of my family there, and we listened to that one-hour show, because mum was on it two years ago, my mm. sister was on it last year, mm. and um, I said, oh, let's have a listen, and I'd forgotten about it. I was curled up in the corner of the couch. I was so embarrassed with the Kemo Marlow. <clears throat> well, I loved, I don't think we've actually talked about this, but I loved, before we left for Christmas break, we said um, we're, um, we're recording our Christmas show, but we don't know if anyone actually listens. So if you are listening, when we recorded the Christmas show, we said, if you're listening right now, on flick, us, yeah, flick us an Instagram message. We recorded it like two weeks before it went to air. Mm. We said, if you're listening right now, flick us a message on Instagram, let us know you're listening. So on Christmas Day, I'm sitting around the family table. All of a sudden, my phone starts going off. Afternoon Staffy has received the message. Afternoon Staffy, afternoon Staffy. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I was like, what have you done? What have you posted? Why are we getting all these messages? And I go into it and it's everyone saying, I'm listening, tuning in from blah, 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 having a Christmas. And I thought, that's right. We got everyone to text it. And that's sure enough, awesome. there were like, there were maybe like 15 messages, staff that came in in the space of like five minutes of people out there listening. So either we only had 15 listeners um, or, you know, we had 15 people that were able to get away from the Christmas table. Amazing. Yeah. Now, just looking at the clock, it says actual gap uh, 157 plus 50, eh? Plus 50. That yeah, gives on us, air admin. Yeah. On air admin. You're all part of the show out there, just on air admin. It's got an actual gap. So in uh, 1 minute 45 and 50 seconds, we'll take a break and we'll come back uh, with live commentary out of Hamilton. But first, we'll go back in the day. Here's what happened back in the day. Now this was a ripper. 1993, the West Indies held the narrowest margin in test victory when they scored a one-run victory over Australia in the fourth test in the City of Churches, Adelaide. Oh, he's tried to avoid it. It's hit the bat and he's gone. And the test match has been won by one run. I can't believe it. The West Indians are delighted. Craig McDermott is so disappointed. It's been a magnificent effort by both sides here today. Courtney Walsh is absolutely delighted. The Australian dressing room will be decimated, but you can bet the West Indian dressing room will be absolutely jumping. So Australia needed 186 for victory, and when Craig McDermott, their final batsman, came out to the wicket, they were 144 for nine. Tim May, 42 not out. Craig McDermott made 18. Nearly national heroes, but McDermott was controversially given out, caught behind of the great man Courtney Walsh. 1996, Monica Salas won her fourth Australian Open crown. She beat Uncle Hoover 6-4-6-1. Birthdays today, there's a few. Kim Hughes, former Aussie Test captain, turned 70 today. <laughs> Kim Hughes. Wayne Gretzky, the great one, turned 63. Jose, Jose Mourinho, he turned 61. Simon, I, have to, I have to say this. We have top players, and um, I'm sorry, I'm a bit arrogant. We have a top manager. Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. <laughs> you are. If you think you are, you are. 
Uh, gosh, I got tripped up there. Simon O'Donnell, 61. Chris Pringle, master of the slow ball, 56. Vince Carter, NBA player, 47. And Sergio Checo Perez is 34. On this day, the number one movie was The Poseidon Adventure in 1973, and Elton John had the number one song. I'll let this play out. We'll go to a break. Enjoy the cricket, and I'll catch you Monday.